If you are vulnerable to psychic damage from roguish language, stay away from these gibbering mouths. But if you intend on listening to this podcast about enriching your fantastical group hallucinations, you're too far gone already. next game will have a rich and troubled past. And here's why. In this episode, we're finding some answers to how do you build a character based on a background, not a class? What you say? You can't do that. I do what I want. How do you tie a character together with a consistent theme? And how do you avoid writing a novel as a backstory that gets completely (laughs) forgotten? Welcome to the Hook and Chance podcast. I'm Jordan. And I'm his brother, Travis. So, yes, today we're talking about character backstories, how to make them good. I got one. You you have a good backstory? Yeah. Like you as a person and you as a character. <laughs> Here's my character. Okay. Uh, monster hunting bounty hunter that never takes off his helmet but has white hair underneath it. Oh, <laughs> okay, I, it sounds like you just mashed two popular characters that are currently, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm high on the Mandalorian <laughs> and the Witcher right now. I'm sorry. Yeah, I think we're both uh, flying high on that that business right there. <laughs> and what great characters with great backstories, indeed. Yeah, they actually tie into their characters. Now, I wonder if that was by mistake the lead to that. You don't think it was just a random smattering? No. <laughs> I think they definitely choose to well, <laughs> if some of the other series on Netflix are any indication, they just huck darts at a board that has story plot ideas. Yeah. But I guess sometimes you get them right. It's unique. <laughs> you remember your first backstory? I do. It was painful. Let's forget about that. Let's move on. <laughs> no. <laughs> I think everybody's done this at some point. At least I hope so, so I don't feel so alone in this. But when I first started playing, I remember writing out a four-pager. like, And not like four-pager with with big pencil crayons. I'm talking like eight-point font, (laughs) front and back four-pager. It was obscene. And my DM asked for a backstory, and this is what I turned in. Yeah. And it's like the equivalent of, asking for a drink of water and getting a tsunami. Oh, nice. <laughs> like It's just, it was so overkill. There was mountains of lore in there. And I I mean, it was kind of a creative, creative writing exercise. It was fun in that regard. Yeah, that's true. But was it going to help my character? There wasn't much of a through line. It was just like... Well, no, I details. think there was there was some good lore there. I had a lot of fun writing it, but... In terms of what would eventually work its way into the game, yeah, like none, less than none. <laughs> In fact, I think it worked against the game yeah. to have that much lore, and so you can absolutely get yourself into that that crazy ass trap. Then the other way to approach a character that some people do is no backstory whatsoever, and that's great if you're just trying to figure out if it's a game you're gonna like. But I think there's a way to meet in the middle. Sure, I don't think you need to put in a lot of work. No. But you might think you have to if you want a really rich and fun and vibrant character. And so, yeah, like you say, where is that middle ground? I don't know. Well, 
in kind of thinking about this and looking at some ideas and articles, the core concept for this episode came from seeing a book referenced as a good storytelling tool, Save the Cat by Blake Snyder. It's a book about screenwriting, and it talks about story beats, and the first handful of beats inspired us to think about applying them to character backstories. The really interesting thing is that, I don't know, like when I build a character, or when I used to build a character, I always started with like, well, shit, what race do I want to play? What class do I want to play? Yeah. And those are all well and good. And I think that there are great ways to start building characters. But if you're trying to build a story-driven character, one that you really want to see grow and change and be dynamic and interesting and and have people at the table go, (gasps) when something happens to your character that had a, a real relevance as far as the story goes, you got to put a little bit of a different take on it. You have to start from a different place. And so in that regard, starting from a background is actually a really smart way to go because you haven't considered your class or your race yet and all of the bonuses that those give. You haven't kind of tied yourself to the stereotypes of fantasy character tropes yet. Yeah, exactly. Because as soon as you take into account a rogue, you start getting flooded with all these ideas of what a rogue is. Yeah. Or you start with a sorcerer. You're like, okay, they have to be intelligent and this and that. But that's not necessarily true. And you can end up creating yourself a real, uh, you know, just kind of a canned character if you don't kind of take into, into account how to work from a background, from a story perspective forward. Okay, so we're going to do that today in the strategy stateroom. I believe so. Let's head that way. This is the strategy stateroom, where inventive and cunning tactics are crafted for when they're needed most. All right, so we built a bit of a method to this madness that is building a character from a background. And we're going to go into detail in each one of these steps, but just to kind of give you the overview... We're going to start with number one, choosing a background. Number two, picking your theme. Number three, state the status quo. Number four, create the kickoff. Number five is resist destiny. And number six is your call to adventure where your campaign begins. Where you meet your friends and go on your jolly way. So let's uh, let's kind of dive into detail on this backstory structure and how does this all work. So choosing your background is pretty simple. You just flip to that middle section of the player's handbook. Yeah, and you choose... skip all the the stuff about building characters at the very beginning. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> who needs it? <laughs> skip to the middle of the book where okay. the good stuff is. <laughs> and you just kind of like choose one that speaks to you with nothing else involved yet. Or if you're like us, you hop on Discord and let those people choose for you. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to actually do this with a couple of characters here at the end. But just as we kind of go through this, we're going to, yeah, just talk about the, the core to each one of these steps. So the next step is pick your theme. And it can be a simple theme, just like a single word that kind of runs through your character and informs their story as well. And this is, I think, the most important step to this. As far as a storytelling perspective to this entire system is picking a theme 
that you personally really find compelling? Do you find revenge stories the best? Do you find redemption stories most satisfying? Like, what do you as a person and as a player at the table really want to play out? It'll inform the arc that your character goes on and kind of what they learn at the end of the story and and how they transform. As an example, if we were to just look at a couple of great stories from recent popular culture, Witcher! Witcher! (laughs) If it wasn't clear before, Witcher has been running through this household like a virus. Um, (laughs) But what would be a really good summary of the theme of Witcher? Well, you could simply put it as humans are monstrous. Yeah. No spoilers of The Witcher. Go watch it. It's pretty freaking good. But, I mean, that's kind of the the theme that runs through the games and runs through the books and runs through the show as well is that, you know, the Witcher hunts monsters, but often encounters the most monstrous behavior from humans. And that's yeah. like, that's kind of where that dramatic tension comes from. And so that plays a role in every interaction of that character. Yeah. And the beliefs of that character. And everything. and you can build a lot on what has that character been informed by and what has made that character become a fully fleshed out character because of that one theme. Um, another good example would be, for instance, the new uh, Joaquin Phoenix film, The Joker. The funny boy. <laughs> that was not a funny movie. Oh, that was a dark film. But the theme that runs through that one would be that visibility. Um, you know, again, if you've seen the film, no spoilers here, but... As far as that character goes, a lot of being seen and being recognized and being felt and heard was at the core of that story. And so the Joker was essentially molded by that. And unfortunately, that one didn't turn out for the better. Hopefully, The Witcher uh, takes a different a pr- different path. Um, but, you know, that visibility ended up corrupting that character of the Joker, whereas hopefully The Witcher... Uh, grows from that you said no spoilers i was hoping joker would become a superhero yes he definitely does in the (laughs) end spoiler alert the joker ends with the joker saving a woman falling from the daily planet and then he flips off superman as he flies by then he gets trapped in a chemical explosion that gives him all the superpowers (laughs) flight speed are we doing an elseworlds (laughs) version of uh Anyways, as a recap, pick your theme because this is probably the most important step that you can possibly do for your character uh, going forward. And it's going to really help you build on the rest of these steps. So what's the next one? State the status quo. So what does their life look like before the adventure? And you've heard us talk about this before, about how we need kind of a downer in order for there to be improvement and redemption and all of these like growth opportunities throughout the rest of the story, typically the, the status quo has to be something that isn't great so that they can improve it. There's something wrong with their status quo. Yeah. If you were in the Garden of Eden and everything is super chill and everyone's happy and there's no injustice in the world anywhere... Well, then there's nothing to fix. There's no there's no dramatic tension. Yeah, you need but to... it's relaxing <laughs> to watch. I would love to play a game in that where everyone just kind of sits around and 
eats apples and all downtime activities. <laughs> Oops, all downtime. Uh, no, thank you. <laughs> so the status quo, you're going to want some kind of counterpoint to the initial theme, and it can often be deeply informed by the theme. So what is that status quo? What's the next one? Create the kickoff. This is where the action begins. Well, not necessarily action. Never mind. Scratch that. But just something that makes the character think differently or puts them into a new world of some sort. Yeah. So that inciting incident, like, for instance, a good example would be when Ben Kenobi hands Luke the lightsaber. It says this could be that possibility. And then, of course, finds out his uncle and aunt are dead. And he's like, oh, well, I've got nothing. That's the kickoff. You need to rise to the occasion. And yeah. this is that big inciting incident. We've discovered Ben Kenobi and he says, my dad used to be a Jedi. Holy shit. So that's, it's a bit of an upper. The kickoff is meant to be maybe not uplifting, but exciting. And like, whoa, something big happened. Could be different. This is usually like in character backstories, like the uncle betrayed me or my parents abandoned me. I don't know. But, <laughs> you know, it's that it's that bit of excitement in the character's fairly humdrum status quo life. An old stranger gave me a magic sword. Ooh. Old Ben Kenobi. Oh. <laughs> I got it. Also, I was when you said that, I was thinking uh, uh, Frodo. Ah, yes. And an old stranger gave me a magic sword. <laughs> yeah, he's old. <laughs> so... The next one is Resist Destiny. So this is meant to be a little bit of a downer. The character could very easily slip into not really giving a shit. Just into the life they've always known. You always have that, as a character, you always have that opportunity to say no or to say yes and rise to the occasion. And it's the heroic that rise to the occasion. So there has to be an opportunity to not do that. Right. It's not necessarily they have to be a hero. It's, should I become the hero? Should I trust old Ben Kenobi? And I think this one can be played with a little bit. Hear me out on this one. But this is how you make the reluctant hero. I think kind of like Corbin Dallas from from The Fifth Element. Element. Yes. Where he's just going along for the ride. He's very ambivalent about the entire (laughs) thing. He's kind of begrudging of everyone's throwing shit at him yeah and he's only doing it for trying to to be closer to lilu what a selfish hero (laughs) but he's got a motivation he's got a reason to, to step outside the norm and the final one finally they have to hear that call to adventure and answer it which puts them on track with their adventuring party their band of best friends (laughs) so that they can happily conquer the evils that threaten the lands. What adds more gravity to this call to adventure is the inability to go back to the status quo of like, once you make this decision, you can't, yeah, this is it for life. Yeah. Like you're in it. And that can always add a lot of gravity and a lot of fun to that. But this right after this, immediately after this is where the campaign begins. So your character backstory needs not be any more complex than this. Don't add adventures in on your way to the campaign. You've heard us say that before, too. (laughs) Don't make the most interesting stuff that ever happened to your character happen in your backstory. And that's exactly what you're talking about there. Yeah. Which is like, 
yeah, they didn't kill the dragon yet. <laughs> that comes later. They didn't save the town. No. They they were just fairly monotonous in whatever it was that they were currently doing, whatever that status quo was. So, like we promised, we're going to go through a couple of examples. We asked the folks on our Discord which backgrounds we should base our characters on. And so we're going to try and build out a couple of characters that follow this process, this method. To see if it actually works. <laughs> we're just a couple of bozos. I like that we're testing this <laughs> on the podcast. No, we're not no, testing no, it on the no. podcast. So thanks, Leprechaun, for giving us these two backgrounds. Yes. So you have, what was your background? What did you get? Far traveler. I come from distant lands. Few have even heard of my home. Got different customs. I'm looked at wherever I go. You're weird. We get it. Yes. <laughs> well, this that background's actually heavily used for that, like, ah, I'm just different and yeah, I'm mysterious. And it doesn't it doesn't always have a lot more gravity to it. So let's see if we can add a little bit more interest. And I think an interesting note to make is that it's easy to fall into the thought that I'm going to play a character that's so different that they're not even like thinking like a person. Yeah. But you do still have to have those motivations and desires and fears that make a character interesting and relatable. Relatable. That's the key, key word there. Okay. So now if we take that background, apply a theme. So what was your theme? So I went with the power of communication because that is kind of something that I think about a lot. Like most of the problems of the world come from people just not taking the time to properly communicate what they want. So you picked a theme that was important to you. Yeah. Well, it seems like a fine theme. Hey, thanks. How did this affect your status quo? Well, and I can come up with the details later, but the basics of my status quo are that my character comes from a small community that lived without many resources due to their misunderstanding of other cultures and a fear of trade. Oh, interesting. So they were kind of xenophobic. In a sense, just against outsiders almost, like maybe something happened to them in their history that formed the way that their society built itself. And it is not a flourishing society due to this, but... I see. So they built up walls and kept everyone else out in order to protect themselves, but then they suffered because of it. Yeah, they've always struggled. So how does that create a kickoff in your character? Well, I was thinking something that would happen to the community is they decide to take the aggressive stance against another settlement. Interesting. But they, due to their lack of knowledge of this other settlement, they're wildly unprepared. It doesn't go well for them. The other community defends themselves. They don't even retaliate, but this leaves my character's home on the edge of extinction after they've used their resources trying to get more for themselves. So it's like a desperate attempt. Yeah. To just like level off, but they, they failed in doing so. And so my characters found a single book from another language that tells of two kingdoms that were attached to each other and strengthened by each other. It's in a different language that nobody in their community spoke, so they spent their whole lives translating it. Ooh. And nobody's ever paid any attention to them because the the kind of character that I've created is kind of that like doesn't put effort into the the life skills that everyone else in their community encourages, but they're doing this weird thing that nobody understands. Interesting. So your character still got that bit of an outsider bent even within their own community. Yeah. And you have a book. Yeah. 
you have an actual physical item that maybe your character is going to protect with their lives at all costs. I was thinking later down the line when I'm coming up with those character traits, that's their bond. Yeah, protect that book. Very good. It taught them their their way of life. How does your character resist destiny? Well, their community is starving, but keeps insisting to them that the outside world will strike at any weakness they show, that they can't give them information. It's going to be worse for them if they reach out. Okay. So then the question is, will the hero slip back into the life they've always known and trust these people, or will they seek something better, risking disaster for themselves? Everything in their community is telling them to stay, help the community, but they know that this is going to ultimately doom them. So it's that or go out and brave the unknown unknown and the dangerous in order to seek help. Well, not just seek help, but seek different ways of thinking. Okay. Different ways of running a community. And that call to adventure happens because their community is telling them, if you go, that's it. Oh, you're not being let back in. Yes, that's the permanence of that decision. Yeah. That heroic decision. And of course, they answer the call to adventure. They set it on their own. There might be a little bit of drama there in the way that they leave their their community. And they're ready for a party. That's pretty good. That's great. A couple of thoughts about your character. You have a couple of different wants there. You have a book that you have to protect that informs, like you said, a couple of bonds. You might have some flaws around... The personality that they would have grown up with having come from such an insular kind of society. I was thinking like with flaws because they weren't listened to so much growing up about just any time they had a different kind of idea. Yeah. They really don't like it when people don't listen to Mm. anyone, even others in their party. So maybe they seek revenge anytime an NPC shows that same like, I don't care what you have to say. Yeah. Yeah. Like a respect is a real. Yeah is a real bond or ideal but they take it too far sometimes maybe understanding and yeah gotcha as far as classes go i think this character would fit a bard really well because the the bard's kind of yeah like you're a you're a talker you're a communicator that screams to me bard what else did you have in mind i was thinking it could super easily be a wizard as well Wizards can be anybody. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> True. But I think there's some fun ideas with some of the other classes. Like maybe they're a warlock and that kind of ties into their call to adventure, finding that patron that's like, there's more out there. Yeah. Or they could be a rogue very easily. Ooh, that's interesting. Immediately there, you've thrown rogue into a very counter typical to rogue. the typical rogue archetype. So you've created something wholly unique of a rogue even though that's yeah you did not come at it with that i'm gonna make a rogue in mind yeah yeah what about uh how are you going to how would you play some of the big and small needs and wants of this character like the short-term and long-term kind of goals that the character has i think the long-term goal is is to bring prosperity back to their home and new ideas and find a way to even be able to communicate those ideas when they get there because they know they can't just like find the way and bring it back. So it's definitely, they're going to be grappling with that the entire time. So they're going to be seeking out scholars and knowledge and maybe ancient cultures. Yeah. And yeah, how they, histories. And, yeah. They're, and that's going to be 
hopefully really helpful for whatever DM this character would be playing under because the DM always is looking for ways to share world information. And if I'm asking the whole time, that's... Well, absolutely. Like as a DM, you're always looking for this opportunity that isn't just the the slap you in the face kind of exposition. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd like a beer. Well, let me tell you, in this area, the beer doesn't come from... Let me explain the last 500 years of backstory that I've created for this <laughs> campaign because there's no other way that I'm going to be able to slip this in. Give me a beer. I punch him in the face. That's a typical player response. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, and then I never get to share all of my history that I've created. A smaller wants. This character wants to learn languages. And I think it would be kind of cool as a as a first goal would be to learn the magic of understanding all languages. Because I think that's a spell. Yeah. Comprehend languages. So maybe they've read about that in the book or heard of it. And Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Well, that's a pretty good character. Thank you very much. I could definitely play this character. Let's go back to the top and figure out what you came up with. So what background did Leprechaun give you? Well, I have Waterhavian Noble. I think you could probably... You know, just to make this agnostic to any system. Uh, I mean, you could you could just be a noble, and so even if this noble kind of grew up in Waterdeep, um, you know, I'm kind of thinking among, say, a family that's entrenched in money lending or some of those really kind of prosperous, wealthy ways of being. Yeah, and has all of the finer things in life as a noble. Right on. I got that typical. I'm used to. Being on top mentality. Yeah. So what theme did you get from that? Well, I went with a very stereotypical theme here. Um, bear with me. <laughs> so as a noble, happiness doesn't come from material possessions. All right. So really, if this character has always grown up, um, you know, I, I firmly believe that myself. I think that's a really fun thing, especially in these kind of rich grandiose fantasy settings there's always people that are exceedingly wealthy uh and then there's like the farmers and so you have that you have that contrast yeah visible all the time throughout games usually to play off of yeah that character would play off of i mean the one that i came up with even oh totally not that they're super poor but there's just a lot of differing backgrounds there uh okay so there's status quo as a noble, they are, I'm kind of thinking like a spoiled, kind of a spoiled kid, took for granted a lot of the things that they had, unhappy, rude, kind of pissy. <laughs> like, again, this is supposed to be a bit of a downer. Your character needs to grow from somewhere. So, yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking is that, like, my my noble is very wealthy and given everything they want and has anything they want at a moment's notice. Think like the rich kid with the summer home and he's like, daddy, I want a sailboat. <laughs> so yeah, you, you kind of get the gist. A lot of humor comes from that in gameplay. Oh yeah. You can, you can really play up that character. Yeah. Okay. And so they're sitting on a high in their comfortable lives. What kicks them off? Well, <laughs> the kickoff comes <laughs> when the family is found out for embezzlement and locked up. So parents, you know, kid becomes a ward of the state or something like that oh, okay because again there's more greed i've already figured out that money and material possessions 
are the end-all be-all, I'm thinking already that theme has informed how I'm going to structure this kickoff. The real call here or the need is that in order for the parents to be released, they have to be repaid. The, the state has to be repaid. Okay. Waterdeep has to be paid off in order to let them out of jail. They don't have any remaining allies on the outside? Or assets. Yeah. You know, all of their assets were frozen and, and repaid, and there's still a debt to be repaid, something like that. And so now this character has nothing, but is told by another bar patron, hard work with one's hands and adventuring pays honestly. Mm. So with this character having lacked any kind of skills or any real world experience, now has the problem of how do I get my parents out? I don't have any money. I don't have any assets. How does one do this? Uh, Chop, chop, cheerio, (laughs) give me a thousand gold, please. And then he gets smoked by somebody on the street. And just has no idea uh, about how to survive and live in the world. And somebody has a little bit of uh, sympathy for them and kind of gives them a few. Yeah, some old grizzled bar patron (laughs) is like, hey, not going to get far like that. Yeah, don't be an asshole. Well, who are you? I'm an adventurer. Okay, this could be another person in the party. Yeah, that's true. So now all of a sudden I've got some real bonds there to the rest of the party. And if nothing else, it at least gives the DM something to work with in the world. You've given them an NPC already. Yeah. So then they resist their destiny. Of course, there's this like question of, well, I don't have the skills to do this. I will die. I am nothing like this grizzled bar patron. <laughs> I have no calluses. <laughs> I have no skills to work off of. So... But you can play the harp and sculpt, perhaps. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Some of those finer things. I can sail a boat like nobody's business. (laughs) Yeah, so maybe this is that opportunity where that bar patron then says, come with me. I need an extra pair of hands. Let's go. We have this quest to go and recover this artifact. It pays this much money. Wow. Well, that's a pittance, but it's the only way that I can make this money in order to it's all I've got yeah. to get started. So that's the the opportunity. You could resist or you could go and honor the call to adventure. And what does resistance look like at that point? Because they've already had to give up their their status quo. But what does resistance look like if the hero didn't answer the call? Well, I would imagine they could just stay a ward of the state, live in water deep, not risk life and limb. Just kind of scrape by. Just kind of scrape by. Yeah. Or you know, in that main theme, I want to be rich again. I want to be successful. I want to own everything. <laughs> but maybe that's the the lesson that they get to learn along the way with the help of their adventuring party. When they heed the call to adventure and sign up with an adventuring group to make money and get their family out of prison. Well, cool. Yeah, that's got some meat to it. Well, and I still don't have an idea for a class. I was thinking it might be really fun at this point Now that I have my theme and I have all of these details, what is counter to all of that? It'd have to be like a bard or a sorcerer, maybe. Like something where they're not actually doing the work to get their power. Yes. So counter to that would be a fighter. Yeah. Somebody who has to get their hands dirty, who doesn't have any of those other skills to rely on. Oh, okay. So it's almost they're begrudgingly having to go down this path. Yeah. Yeah. And get the skills, otherwise they'll die. And I would play this character as constantly trying to fight against the behavior that they grew up with. Um, You know, like 
cheating and greed and all of those things that they saw constantly, they're trying to wrestle with, do I take the short and easy route and go for the most amount of money, the quickest route to getting what I want, or do I learn something along the way? And yeah, that, um, that morality that affects every single decision that they make in the game is how quickly do I take the short route or do I take the, the worthwhile route? But I would probably play this character as a fighter. Interesting. Cool. Like against all of their their better judgment. Yeah. So what do they want? They want to release their family. Yeah. That's kind of their end all goal. Probably a huge amount of money that they have to try to amass. Everyone else in the party is going to be splitting the loot evenly and they're going to be buying cool stuff. And this character has to choose again. Greed. Do I do I outfit myself now to survive better? Yeah. Or do I save that money to... That's not even just a greedy decision. That's a... Yeah, there's some practicality to that toss-up. Yeah, it's a self-preservation thing. And maybe throughout the course of the story, my character might decide that his parents belong in prison. Interesting. And, you know, there's a, there's a lot of character development opportunities that I can make in the moment as I play through this character. Yeah. And... I think just as like a role-playing perspective, I would probably play them as a dandy. Like <laughs> a real, uh, you know, doesn't like, when, when the party has to go into the sewers, like resists it. Yeah. And so every time those come up, like an adventurer has to go into gross places. That's just the way this happens. Or at least expressing that displeasure. Exactly. Because so, again, you don't want to dive too deep into the resisting it and making everyone else do the work of convincing you but it can be an interesting conversation. Well, absolutely. It it doesn't have to even be a conversation with the rest of the party. This is just, I'm making a character-defining decision every time I choose to go into the sewers and fight those diseased rats. Yeah. And so you're, you're actually able, as playing this character, to highlight how gross the scenario is in most adventuring games. Because most people play tough, rough barbarians or like heroic adventurers. Well, this person isn't heroic. This person is heroic against their better judgment, against their baser instincts. Yeah. I think this character has a lot of potential to highlight that dissonance. They're no witcher. That's for sure. No witcher. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So just recapping. uh, Yeah. Choose your background. Pick your theme. State the status quo. Create your kickoff, shy away from that destiny, and then yield to the call of adventure. And begin your mighty quest. Hopefully that was helpful. Yeah, it was fun, at least, to build a new know. character. Try try building a character with a background and let us know what you think. Uh, see if you can build something that is really close and near and dear to your heart that you think will have a lot of potential to to help your DM and help your party and, and grow them together. Uh, by using this method. And again, there's more details that you can kind of add to this, but getting this down was surprisingly quick and easy. Oh yeah, this didn't take more than 10 minutes. Like when I'm when I'm building a character from nothing, it's usually really challenging for me because I'm trying to like just come up with random ideas and plop them on the page. But working from that theme made it smooth. Yeah. And created a character that wasn't a, a trope or an archetype. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's move on quickly. We're going to try something a little bit different. 
what we found over the course of making this podcast is that we have a whole bunch of other ideas for segments, <laughs> but they just don't make up the meat of what a really good episode is hopefully all about. So we have all of these other little things that we're going to try and attach on the end. One of them, you've heard before, is the Temple of Inspired Hands. So we got something cool to tell you about. This is the Temple of Inspired Hands, where amazing products and revolutionary ideas are brought to light. So as we were talking and thinking and scheming about backstories, we stumbled upon a Kickstarter that was epic called Better Backstories. It's a 64-card system for drawing character details by Jay Stilipek. And what's so neat about this is that it was just a, a quick and easy system that's on Kickstarter that you can basically flip out a card, and it has a whole bunch of different prompts. Uh, definitely check it out. What I thought was really cool about it was that the DM can use it after the character's been created to just add little details and flavor to NPCs. And so right now, this is available for $5 US for the PDF or $10 US for the printed copy. They've already surpassed their goal of four grand by another $24,000. That's pretty dang good. So they just smoked their goals. So great job, Jay. So there's some value here. Hurry your ass up because as of this morning, you will have six hours or something like that to pledge if you listen to this episode as it's released. If not, I'm sure <laughs> the product will be available in the future. Yeah, that's the real pain in the ass about, you know, we want to do Temple of an Inspired Hands. We want to highlight some really cool products and, and things that people are creating out there. But Kickstarter is, a, <laughs> is just a real kicker because every time one. we find something that we're like, oh, hell yeah, we're going to back this. And then it has like five hours to go. And it's like, well, we can't talk about that on the podcast. <laughs> so Keep good luck. Keep your mouth shut. <laughs> Get on there. Uh, you know, just throw five bucks that way and uh, just download the PDF. So hopefully you can, you can catch that in time. If not, maybe Sucker. it'll be made into it. <laughs> That's real nice. It's just a taunt segment. Well, that about does it for us. Thank you very much for listening. We sure appreciate the support. We got uh, we got some really nice messages on Facebook the other day. Every like we we'll get one of those a month or so, and they're just they're so heartwarming. They feel so good. I eat them up like candy. <laughs> just to know that we're actually helping. Yeah, we just want stuff to resonate, inspire a little bit, entertain a little bit, <laughs> and so we yeah we just really enjoy the support. Anyways. Thanks to Tabletop Audio for the sound effects that you heard in this episode. You can follow us on the social medias it's at Hook and Chance. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Discord, Reddit. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening, listening and come play on. great games. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Your Witcher obsession is getting a little much. Go play.